Thursday, March 12th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Fund, Bill Barker, and for Motley Fool Options and Special Ops, Jim Gillies. Back by popular demand. By popular demand. Popular well, demand of one? Yeah, there are a couple of people. A couple, like, okay. couple of listeners who did. <laughs> that was fun. Let's do that again. Uh, we're going to talk banks. Uh, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. And we're going to talk about a pair of companies that are reporting their first quarterly results as a public company. And we'll start with Shake Shack. Uh, fourth quarter loss was bigger than expected. The company, uh, help me out here, Bill, because, okay, bigger loss than was expected. They guided that same store sales growth for 2015 is going to slow down. Stock was only down about 5% when. I saw it about an hour ago. That 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 one-two punch seems like the stock should be hit more. Uh, yeah, well, there's there's always more to the story than the the headlines. And the the stock, I think, lost five cents a share. Was expected to lose three cents a share, but four cents a share was attributable to the cost of the IPO. So operationally, they only lost one cent. So they beat the the expectations, and I think they beat. Uh, the expectations for uh, same store sales and for for revenues. So, despite the fact that the company uh, is up, the stock that is is up over a hundred percent from its IPO price. Uh, it's down a little bit today off what I thought was a, a very good earnings report. Um, but you know, you need to maintain that kind of momentum. Really, at a certain point, a stock like this becomes a momentum trading vehicle. Um, you need something even better than, than than that, and their their guidance for next year uh, was somewhat more cautious than I guess some people were expecting. Although it's still talking about I don't know thirty or forty percent total top line growth. So when you're dealing with the the very very large numbers of growth that can be produced early on in the expansion of a, a successful operation like this, you're going to find that you know. If the adjustment is we're only going to grow 35% next year instead of the 40% that some analysts thought, or the 30%, you know, that's why consensus tends to hone in on a, a reasonable number. Um, but the stock is still more than doubled from its IPO. So I, I would call that a pretty good report to, to keep the, the stock valuation where it is. On the one hand, you look at Shake Shack, and I think they have somewhere in the neighborhood of 60, 65 locations. And you can look at that and think, well, gosh, their their ability to expand their operations is pretty enormous. On the other hand, as we've talked about many times on Market Foolery, there are a lot of places to get a good burger. And it's it's a in some ways a more competitive space for them to try and expand into. Yeah, it's very competitive uh, within the funds. The only one of these gourmet burger places that we have been and, and at the moment continue to be invested in is uh, Red Robin, which I think is something that Jim wrote about. Uh, he did quite quite well, and uh, there have been good returns since that time. Uh, realized both uh, by his readers somewhere. It sound, it sound like I'm plugging things, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm, um, there are other good. Uh, gourmet burger chains. There are a lot. I don't know when we finally hit the peak. Uh, in a peak sense, burger? in in a sense, it seems like there's overcapacity. Uh, but all you're really talking about is meat and potatoes, which has got a pretty good history uh, of of people uh, buying into. So I I think that uh, despite the fact that there's 
Five Guys, and there's um, In and Out Burger, In and Out Burger, and Smash Burger, and Burgers Priest. What is Burgers? No Priest? No one will have heard of that. There's seven outlets. It's a Toronto chain, but there's one in my town now. I, it's, I wouldn't dismiss. It is the, the fact greatest burger you've ever had. By no one, you mean no Americans. No Americans. <laughs> okay. There, there, there might be twelve Canadians who. Oh yeah, Burgers Priest. Wow, that's great stuff. So it's Burgers apostrophe s Priest. Yes. The burger is in possession of a priest. Are you served by priests at this? You're place? not served by what, priests. I mean, are, uh, you what, can leave what tips in an offering to... plate at the at the. Counter. Are you kidding? No, dead serious. Uh, now yeah. we got to go. Yeah, you know this so is it's... not the kind of thing that would fly in the U.S. It is. It is uh, spectacularly Making fun great. of the Catholic Church is just not, not making something. fun. We're honoring it with gourmet burgers. I, I there are certain parts <laughs> of the U.S. where that would not be interpreted in quite the way. That uh, it apparently successfully is interpreted yeah. uh, in Toronto. They close on Sundays. Oh, let's get back. Let's get back to Shake Shack. <laughs> you're making for a stuff up now. No, uh, uh, I'm going to look this up while you're talking. Just, <laughs> just to close out on Shake Shack, um, it seems like, and and we'll talk about box in a, in a few minutes here. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like, from a management standpoint, Bill, the way they handled the communication of this first quarter, it seems like the sort of thing that you would want to see. Um, personally, I'm always in favor of CEOs, company executives, minimizing expectations. So even if, even if they're just, even if they're just flat out lying, they actually (laughs) (laughs) what? Maybe not flat out lying. I like my CEOs to flat out lie (laughs) to me. No, no, no. But even even if they actually, but even if they are going to the lowest end of their expectation of what they're saying, sandbagging, sandbagging. That's right. Not lying. That's not. Even if they're sandbagging. Um, it, it seems like, from a communication standpoint, they handled this quarter well. Uh, operationally, you're, you're talking operationally about, you, and you, just you, the management in general. Yeah, I mean, it's a delicate balance when you you're IPO and this is your first quarter IPO. You are generating excitement. You're trying to. You have a responsibility to maximize, really, the the amount that you realize at the IPO for your existing shareholders because they are selling shares and you need. A fair trade of the equity that you're selling off for capital that you are going to use to then reward, if you use it well, the remaining shareholders. Uh, so th- there's a fine line between generating a lot of excitement about the the stock that you're bringing to the market. There is a certain expectation that people who got in at the IPO are entitled uh, to a quick return uh, on that, and then there is. Uh, probably a less uh, fair expectation that anybody who buys the IPO on the first day is going to get money uh, because uh, that's that's what happens sometimes. So, uh, you know, maintaining expectations in a reasonable range within the, uh, those kinds of pressures is, is a challenge, but I think that uh, they've, they've come out pretty well in this first quarter. The Federal Reserve announced the results of the latest stress test for big banks. Uh, most of the 31 global banks passed. So their capital plans were approved. Uh, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, PNC, Wells Fargo, U.S. Bancorp all announced plans to raise their dividends and or buy back stock. Uh, But as we were talking about, Jim, right before we started taping, Citigroup is being seen as the quote-unquote big winner here. I'm sure part of that has to do with the fact that last year they failed the stress test. So they actually get to boost their dividend, Mm -hmm. which is... If I have this right, it's a penny, and they're going to raise it to they're, five cents. They're going to Citigroup is out of palliative care, Chris. They are <laughs> done. They are increasing their dividend five hundred percent. I mean, that's that's. Of course, it's you know now it's a nickel. 
right. you're getting a whopping nickel off of it. They're going to buy back uh, close to eight billion in stock. J.P. Morgan, who has already raised a dividend a few times, uh, is going to I think get six and a half billion of stock back. You know, uh, they're they're tripping over themselves to throw money back at their shareholders, and and that's great uh, if you're a shareholder. And you know, I've dabbled a little bit in some of it, but uh, it's you know what what's coming now is this is this how they're going to like is this how the the U.S. banking sector is going to grow now by trying to shrink its capital base? Like, are they all are they all off of life support, if you will? Like, are, like what what's the next step coming? And I I know with all of the new rules that have come down, and it's you know supposedly going to be harder for them to to run into rocks like they did in two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. I wonder if that's going to limit their ability to grow, and so returns are going to have to come by shrinking share count and becoming the widow and orphan stock that maybe banks in some other countries are, where you know it's you know you make your money you know three or four percent per dividend and maybe five percent of your capital appreciation. Is that better? Yeah, in some ways, I guess it is. But I'm I'm, I'm curious to see what the what the fallout is going to be from this. And it's not your nationalistic pride. You genuinely prefer Canadian banks to um, U.S. big banks. Yeah, uh, valuation wise, the last couple of years, there's uh, they've the Canadian banks aren't the cheapest banks on the planet, and there is starting to see. There's been some whiffs of real estate bubble around parts of Canada for a number of years right now. Uh, Vancouver and Toronto would be the the two biggest ones. Uh, Toronto, a, a single a single family detached dwelling in the four one six area code, which is like Toronto proper. Uh, last week, it was formally announced the the average price is now over a million dollars. Um, that's difficult and probably not sustainable. <laughs> Why would you think that's a bubble? <laughs> uh, well, and and of course, you know who holds all the mortgages for that is all the big banks. So you know, there's, you know, there there is some, you know, and and, and you know, they, they largely are playing down that risk right now, as I imagine the U.S. banks were playing down their risk before. But uh, you know, there's there there's some US banks that are are on a, on a valuation level uh, a lot more attractive but all the canadian banks have reported earnings in the last month and they all raised their dividends yet again so they're going down without a or they're not going down without a fight so are you bill someone who ever looks to the big banks says oh yeah i'll i'll look to invest some of my money there or are you someone who just says i, I, I can find better places I, I'm going to have to stall for a second because <laughs> I mean I was distracted by going to the Burgers Priest. You're the Burgers Priest and, website, and looking at, at the, the secret menu, which I, I can go into. You've got to answer a question about Noah's Ark to to be able to see the secret menu. It's not forty days and forty nights is the answer. It's not. It's that, not. No. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and man, there are some big burgers that they that they serve. Okay. As, as I said before, we're going to have to road trip. The, we're going to have to make this. The happen. free advertising possible. for Burgers Priest. You want to get what's called the high priest, which is like what the Big Mac should be. I mean, you got to use some other, you know, denomination other than the Big Mac. I'm just saying. I mean, it's just been a Big Mac degraded. I think. No, this it it will be this. this Next time you guys are up in town. What was the question? It was about (laughs) banks. I mean, everybody was falling asleep anyway. Yes. Uh, Are you someone who look ever looks to invest in Wall Street big banks, the sort of the the behemoths that we talk about all the time? Citigroup, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. Uh, not in a while, although they've done very well. I thought about it, and we talked about it uh, down in uh, Fundland, um, Fundland, <laughs> that is, uh, back when everything was really clubbed, uh, sort of the 09, uh, 10, 11 
era and we didn't pull the trigger on it we got some smaller banks uh eventually in in the portfolio but uh, they're they're uh difficult to analyze you know as as we find out from from this process you know for for them to come forward to a board and say here's our plan for being sufficiently capitalized um can get rejected you know they they there's not even an agreement uh there's an evolving one uh, that the banks are more and more capable of meeting these days, but uh, th- there are easier things to analyze, and I spend my time on easy things. <laughs> but I mean, there were great rewards uh, <laughs> if you got in at the bottom. That's the other thing I thought, like, oh, nine, like, oh, wait, somebody's going to make a lot of money timing this right at the bottom, but it's not going to be me. Let's move on to Box, which is the cloud storage company, uh, also reporting their first quarter as a public company. Fourth quarter loss was much bigger, uh, bigger than expected. CEO Aaron Levy says there's a good explanation for that, though, and it's that Wall Street analysts set expectations on the wrong share count, so their expectations should have been even worse. And he says Box beat the even worse expectations. This makes perfect sense. Can I say, in my hotel room this morning, when this story came on CNBC, I was literally jumping up and down with glee. <laughs> this is like, you know, early front runner for idiotic CEO response to and, earnings and, of the year. And maybe not surprisingly, <laughs> the stock down about 15% this morning. This was, okay, so this is their first public quarter, and the impression you want to give as the CEO is that you're going to argue with analysts that, oh no, you guys have not looked at any other number in our report, you've just divided by the wrong share count, because apparently FactSet had one number, and Thomson Reuters had a different number, and you guys just divided wrong. We actually beat. I'm like, you are focused completely in the wrong direction. You know, it might have something to do, Bill talked about, you know, as growth slows for companies growing, and maybe your, your growth disappoints. It might have something to do with last year, you turned in about 70, uh, 70 75% top line growth, this year, you're you know setting expectations for thirty, which is still very healthy, but it's a lot less but, seventy odd. But it's half. But you know, I just like you know, as a CEO, I want the CEO to focus on the business. I don't want him arguing basic division with analysts like that. Just and and this stock, you know, you talk about IPOs and you want you know you, that that early shareholders or those who get in on day one, you know, are almost you know air quotes entitled to a good first day return because that's what we've kind of come to expect with frothy IPOs. Well, this is a stock that's down from its IPO. It's now within spitting distance of its 52-week low. This is just a boondoggle. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know that I would deliver the same kind of ad hominem attack on the CEO that Jim has, has delivered, because uh, I, I think there's a kernel of, of truth, which which cuts both ways, in, in whether the analysts had the, the wrong share count number. Where do they get the share count number from? Their conversations with management, giving them I'd look guidance. Look at the SEC filing. You know, <laughs> giving them guidance. Like, all right, here's what you should expect from us, right? And so that communication has not been perfected, which I can excuse uh, if, when they're new to the process, right? I don't know that the way in which this information was initially transmitted, and also the way that. Um, it, it seems to have been attempted to be corrected by the CEO is going to create great favor uh, with the anal- analyst necessarily. But there are times, and I have seen uh, occasions where companies and management that I respected, you know, had to go out and and correct uh, 
the press having published such such company missed expectations. That is a big part of that one day's stock move. What is the expectation? Did it make it? Did it miss? Did it beat? Uh, that drives share price. Some shareholders care about the one day movement of stock prices around you know this locale. We we try to avoid um, focusing on that. Um, so there there may be an element where you know Faxet had the wrong data. Uh, and and that this was worth, you know, addressing, but I, in the way that it's been done, I don't, I'm not sure that the CEO has has gotten off to the, a flying start in his communications. <laughs> just just to rebut my good friend Bill here, go to the damn SEC filings and look up the share count. Like surely, well, but who are you analysts, saying? I mean, who are you attacking? Well, the analysts? Or the, I mean, I'm, let's say he's point. right that he well, says go to the filings sure. and look up the damn share count. He should say so that. who. He should say that, but my point is, I think the analysts probably did their job, probably did go look up the share count, and then said, "Yeah, okay, we this is our expectations," and oh, well, we're wrong. I, I just, or rather, the, the the thing missed. I just think it's, you know, as a CEO, I I just had shades of, um, you know, of of a few other CEOs that we've seen in foolish history. I believe Overstock.com was one where they wow, you, where, this, that's this way back is an time. attack. <laughs> where, well, where where the CEO just focused on arguing with analysts and investors rather than on their business. And like, you know, just focus on your business. And I think the business had a pretty good quarter. But their expectations were expectations, too low. This is, this is the management of expectations is a part of your job for good or ill uh, once you're in the public sector. And it's not um, a that, great start. My point is I think that's probably what's contributed to today's sell-off more than somehow people have missed the you know, the share count. It's like, don't worry about that. Let's check back three months from now because the <laughs> next quarterly report is going to be fun to watch. Radio at full.com is our email address. And <clears throat> as I indicated yesterday, our listeners did not disappoint whatsoever uh, when we were talking about giant bears. <laughs> from Bill Velasquez in New Mexico, I've been a trail runner for about 25 years. My two most memorable encounters were running down a steep hill and hearing a ruckus in the leaves on the trail in front of me that sounded like kids kicking things around. I approached slowly and saw a bear just off the trail. He didn't see, hear, or smell me. I clapped loudly until he shot off the trail. Another time I was running across a mesa and down through pines to a water hole. I suddenly heard what sounded like thousands of cicadas. I stepped lightly and slowly towards what I suddenly saw, the biggest rattlesnake I have ever seen in my life. He was as thick as my calf and longer than I was tall. If I had been wearing earbuds, I never would have heard a thing and startled the bear and stepped on the snake. What ended as memorable wildlife encounters could have ended badly for me. From Dave Cook in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the last time I was driving across Banff, have you been to Banff? Been to Banff many times. All right. Going there next month. Last time I was driving across Banff, a decently sized black bear came lumbering across the road right behind my car. And he included this picture, which of course so none he, of the listeners can see. But this is this. I would say this is you could post captivating it. radio. This is yeah. Maybe I will post this on the Market Foolery Twitter feed. This we, is a. I would say that is a slightly larger than decently. That's a. That's we, a bear. Do we know that's the bear in question, or is that just any black bear? We're going to take like for for our help. This is what a black bear looks like. No, for no. This is uh, yeah. This is. We're going to take David. This is the actual black bear. This is the actual bear. Uh, He continues to write, He seemed friendly enough, though, after munching on some berries by the road and attracting a a rather large crowd of onlookers, he wandered off into the woods again. Thankfully, 
I haven't had any, encounter, any encounters with bears of the giant variety. Uh, and finally, from Fergus Cullen in Dover, New Hampshire. Uh, this isn't so much about uh, wildlife encounters. Fergus writes, Chris, the Maine Department of Tourism called to revoke your Mainer card. There's great whale watching in the Gulf of Maine. If you go out of Perkins Cove in a gunkwit, eat at Barnacle Billy's before or after. You can also pick up trips from Portsmouth and Rye, New Hampshire. And he helpfully included a link, which I forwarded on to you, Bill, um, to find whale watching trips out of Maine. And just I would uh, just hasten to add to Fergus. The Maine Department of Tourism revoked my Manor card a long time ago when it, they discovered that I don't, in fact, enjoy eating lobster. So, Ooh. and you know, if you grow up in Maine and you don't eat lobster, then or, or crustaceans of any kind, yeah. Right? That's but a, I mean, particularly lobster is yeah. the, the greatest offense within the state. In Maine, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a guts to go situation. Um, before we wrap up, I want to mention uh, the Motley Fool One lobby site that we've set up. If you're interested in CEO interviews or more information on Motley Fool One, um, you can just go to radio.fool.com slash one. That's radio.fool.com slash O-N-E. Um, sign up with your email address and access to a, a lot of great uh, CEO interviews that Tom Gardner uh, has done. Any big plans for the weekend before we wrap up, Bill? Uh, nothing, nothing too big. I've got to drive children to lots of places, right. and I, I have a dinner to go to. And uh, when do you attempt to get across the border back I into Canada? I go home tonight. Uh, and that's never the problem. You, you don't. You were detained on the way in, as we talked because about. Because the, the gentleman liked my full hat. Yes. Well, I mean, that's what you say. Yes. I mean, the, it goes down in the record. As Air you, quotes. Yes. Liked. Yeah, liked. Yeah, yeah. You were detained um, at the border. I, I Give go, me uh, that hat. <laughs> I go home tonight. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to a stage play in Toronto, uh, starring Molly Parker from uh, House of Cards fame. Oh, yeah. And uh, so that'll be pretty cool on Saturday night. And then uh, Sunday, I'm getting in the car bright and early and driving back into this country to Vermont for a week skiing. A couple Canada questions. One, was the hat you were wearing, Could uh, is that a toque? No, but there are fool toques I hear downstairs. I should come get one. Right, but it was, I mean, a baseball cap. A, a, a black like, baseball cap. Not a toque. Fool. Not a toque. Not a toque. I do own a few toques. I, no doubt. It's required, isn't it? Um, and uh, <clears throat> to any listeners out there, if you know anything, because the whale watching that I was looking at, Jim, you seem to know nothing about. In There's t- not a lot of whales in central Dusek. Ontario. <laughs> this is, this is uh, just up the road from Quebec, uh, where the St. Lawrence uh, meets the... The Saguenay, Saguenay, Quebec. Yeah, yeah. Just outside, just uh, past Quebec City. The, the the Canadian Tourism Board is is telling me that there's good whale watching there, and and it's a little bit closer to where I would be coming from than the the east coast of Maine, which otherwise sounds lovely, being you know a U.S. destination where I would speak the language and <laughs> be able to find lobsters uh, and things like that. But, you know, the, this this whole Quebec thing might, might work out if, if somebody can confirm that there are actual whales there. I imagine there are probably belugas and other whales there. So it Sounds like you're going to Canada. Could be. We'll wrap up there. Bill Barker, Jim Gillis, thanks for being here, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fool. This show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Music.